This is Viterbi Voices. Coming to you from the University of Southern California Viterbi School of Engineering. We're here to give you the inside scoop about research, classes, student life, and so much more. All of these shared from our students, faculty, and other members of our USC community. Everybody, welcome back into the Turby Voices. I am one of your co-hosts. My name is Paul Ledesma, Director of Undergraduate Admission here at the USC Viterbi School of Engineering. And hi, everyone. My name is Emily Powis, and I'm a senior studying biomedical engineering. We're back with part two of Robbie Wright's conversation with me. Robbie, again, an alumnus of the institution. He has his degree as both his bachelor's and his master's degree in electrical engineering. Mm-hmm. Robbie was one of uh, our earlier student ambassadors. You may have heard from our past uh, uh, conversation that he was actually the first person uh, at Viterbi to ever create a YouTube video. Uh, he created oh. what, what we first called uh, webisodes. Uh, if you if you missed that part <laughs> of the, the whole thing is that like, hey, Robbie, you like movies, you like uh, doing all this other stuff. Uh, let's let's talk about uh, making sure you know how to get some stuff up about the Viterbi School. We'll go into YouTube and we'll call them webisodes. So the very first ones are all his. Uh, he he did so much cool stuff. Uh, I don't remember where we we cut part one and part two onto this, but uh, his his work in electrical engineering. He has passions for cinema. He did a lot of really mm-hmm. cool student film stuff. Really into music. Uh, and of course, I think at this point in the conversation, we're talking a lot about what he does with Apple. We talk a lot about. Uh, concepts related to leadership. We talk a lot about uh, elements of learning how to manage others, how to be kind of the the best version of yourself and learning from mentors and kind of uh, understanding that sometimes when you think you know something, uh, maybe you can know a little bit more, know a different perspective on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think what I'm most impressed by with Robbie, I've always been impressed by his passion. I've always been impressed uh, by his sense of humor and his, his sense of just like, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll go do it. I'll, uh, he's just, he's just got this attitude, like I'll, I'll do it. And what I, in, in reflecting with him, and I think I talked about it in the conversation with him is that he's just, he's grown into such a mature individual and you can hear how much he has learned from his experiences on how to bring in unique perspectives and how to uh, figure out what the best possible solution is, and and ultimately a, a great sense of humility, and ultimately mm-hmm. a fantastic leader, representative of the Viterbi School, and someone that I'm incredibly proud to a to just to have known, uh, but b to to continue to know through this time period, and to have him on the podcast. So. I hope that you all enjoy part two of Robbie Wright. If you missed part one, go back and listen to that first on our previous episode, then catch up mm-hmm. right back here to part two. And uh, Emily and I will see you on the back end to continue our very important conversation. If you missed it from last week, where we are in October or Rocktober or spooky season, whatever you want to get into. And we're talking very seriously about Halloween. We're talking about Halloween costumes. We're talking about whether Emily will dress up or not. What is my second clue for what my costume is going to be and other Halloween tidbits. So we'll see you on the back end for that important talk. When you look back on working at Northrop Grumman, because you worked there for a little over two years, right? Um, yeah, about two and a half years. Yeah. What do, you, what do you think you, everybody's first job, is always a, a kind of a weird, uh, similar to college. You think you know things, and then you right. leave. And you're like, "Oh, I, I was way wrong." <laughs> what What was the what was, What was the growth in that job? What did you learn? What did you? What, what How How is How was your vision on life changed? Yeah, uh, great question. I, I would say so. When I started, a, a, a lot of waiting around that first few months. Um, mm. I was waiting for different clearances, top secret clearance, special mm. access clearance to the program. Um, and I, I probably did not develop a great headspace <laughs> during that period of time. Um, I also was working in the same facility with with my dad, and I don't think that helped our relationship no, at all. It's not, yeah, it's not your it's not your space. It's not your place. <laughs> right um, now, again, he was more on the business side, and I was I was on the engineering side. Um, I think what happens is, and it this happened a little bit with my internship at Cisco, which I was thankful that I got to come back and tailor a little bit more of my education around what I thought I wanted to do uh, at a company. 
Um, I had already left the idea of pursuing a PhD a bit further. Um, and I, I would say it's your breadth of responsibility, I think, becomes a lot more narrow. Mm. Um, what you work on, it's not, even if you're at the system level or working on system engineering type things, it's still just going to be a, a piece of it. Um, and, and that was, I think that was a big departure of what my expectations were going to be. I thought, you know, you're coming in, had all this great education, uh, pretty confident for the most part of my skills as an engineer, they're going to give me, the, they're going to give me the whole plane. Um, and that was, that was, <laughs> couldn't even have been further from the truth. Um, and then uh, what you also don't have, maybe this is where the part that broadens a little bit is all the business aspect of it. Starting to make decisions that are not purely technical or purely design centric. They have to be good for, for the, the supply chain or they have mm. to be good on the business side or they have to be good working with the customer. Mm. Um, and that's where I think a lot of the focus on, okay, what, what is the end customer want uh, started to relay into into how I approach things certainly now in my career. But yeah, I would say uh, just kind of my, my little section um, was, was probably a bit, bit surprising. And then you have to, you have to build that rapport and that confidence to then go ask other folks for help because that's not going to come naturally. You have to go out and be proactive in doing that. Similar to getting past, uh, feeling intimidated by, by professors and whatnot and go ask for them, ask them directly for help at their office hours. You're doing that, but now you have a whole new set of subject matter experts that have been doing this a long time that have a million other priorities that you, uh, that you have to contend with as well. Um, so being a little bit fearless in that, that was certainly a learning process. Hmm. I feel like I want to jump ahead, uh, because yeah. I think there's some parallels here. Um, you're kind of dipping into like you manage people now. I do. And, and I know we're treading on, on, on thin ice here. So I want to make sure everybody knows like what's going on. Um, so this, this idea of like you talking about yourself, it's almost like you feel like you're giving yourself advice back, like, uh, like retroactively. Mm-hmm. Um, but currently you, you work at Apple. That's not a secret. You work at Apple. Right. Right. What is a secret is everything you do at Apple. And I know right. we can't talk about it. And I know, <laughs> I know that. And I know that there are very strict instructions as to what we can talk about and not talk about in this conversation. So if I tread over the line here, you just tell me no, and we'll take, we'll take the question out. Like it's Sounds fine. <laughs> um, so I'm not going to ask you about anything you're working on now, but what are you building right now? No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so tell without getting too much into this, because I think I want to I feel like you're treading into like how you manage, like how you're learning to manage people based on like your own experiences. Um, well, you're at Apple and mm-hmm. you do, you do big stuff there. And I know you can't talk about what you're working on, but what do you, what do you do at Apple without, that's a weird question without telling me what you do at Apple. What do you do? At yeah, sure. Uh, so I, I'm in hardware. I'm in the hardware organization. I support multiple, I've supported multiple platforms from an engineering program management capacity. Um, and so I work direct, I work, directly with designers, but I also work with taking programs or my, my portion of the program through the entire development life cycle. When you so, say a program, is that a product? Can be, can be, or, or part of a product or it can be longer term type thing. Got it. Um, uh, I've worked on, pro- I've worked on a lot of products, but I've also worked on kind of the module level as well. Um, but yeah, it's a, uh, intentionally obfuscating what I'm working on. It, it's usually, it. usually a product or a part of a, a part of a product. Understood. Understood. Yeah. Cool. And and this is all on like uh, product design. Primarily. Yeah. Primarily. So um, I've worked on, you know, you, you kind of have in, in consumer electronics, you have the electrical engineering portions, kind of the functional portion of it. And then you have uh, the mechanical portion of it, the mechanical assembly, the enclosure, everything. So that when you drop it, hopefully it doesn't break, but if it does, how does it break? Those types of things. Um, I've worked on, I've worked on all sides of that across the eight years I've been at Apple. Tell me if this is an overreach, uh, but is it safe to say that you're in charge of making things at Apple? Not all things, but making some things. You're you're, (laughs) you're making some things at Apple. Making some things (laughs) at Apple. Okay. So yeah. And working with engineering to do that for sure. Okay, great. So the reason I asked that is how many of our listeners are there like, what, when I ask them what do they want to do, they're like, I want to work at Apple and I want to make things at Apple. You're doing 
mm-hmm. what people want to do. You are living literal high school dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you want to tell to those people? What do they have right about it? What do they have wrong about it? Hey, y'all, sorry for the interruption, but I wanted to let you know that we have a number of campus visit programs available to you right now. If you want to check out what campus is like, if you want to learn more about the Viterbi School of Engineering, go to viterbi.link slash visit. That's V-I-T-E-R-B-I dot link slash visit, where you can learn about our Viterbi visit experiences that happen on most Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. We have some virtual events that happen on occasional weekdays and occasional Saturdays. Plus, we have some transfer virtual admission sessions where you can learn all about how to get those courses ready for transferring. We want to meet you. We will have lots of opportunities opportunities to do it and it's happening all summer long, but get your registration in now at viterbi.link slash visit. Hope to see you soon. Great question. Uh, first and foremost, the, the one piece I give advice to folks that are either intern for us or um, are new in their career or, or looking at school is the learning doesn't stop. Uh, Mm. once education, once formal education is over. Um, And so if you are interested in a completely different part of the business or a different program or different part of the technology, you can absolutely go and learn about it and continue learning. Um, And to me, that was something that I wish someone had told me, just like, keep keep learning, keep doing your off the job type research, keep doing, keep doing those types of things. and, and so that, that's something I would say that if you want to truly understand uh, if whether or not a company is a good fit for you, certainly learn about the company culture and what they put and what they value and what they put in. Um, because things that sound good on paper uh, may not necessarily translate into things that you enjoy or an environment that you enjoy working with. Um, that was very much my experience at Northrop or the, uh, the company I worked on between, I worked at between Northrop and Apple. Um, and Apple is the, for me, the antithesis of that, where I like companies with strong company cultures that know what they place value in. And, mm. and it just happens that a lot of the values that I put in my work align with the overall, with the overall company values. Um, and then on okay. top of that, you know, there's, there's no, at what point in the stack that you want to work at, if you want to work at the very low physics level, there's opportunity for that. Um, developing, you know, technologies or, or uh, yeah, uh, core, core technologies from the ground up. If you want to work at the system level, there's opportunities for that and integrating all that together into something that's, that's, uh, you know, that will actually reach customer hands. Or if you want to work on something that's tangential to engineering, which is somewhat what I found myself in, um, there's opportunity for that as well. But all that comes from learning the building blocks of the companies that, that you're looking at or you want to yeah. work at. Is it safe to say that when you went to college, of course, you learned a lot related to engineering, but you learned how to learn? Yes, fundamentally, that's uh, that's the key. I liken it to putting tools in the toolbox, hmm. um, and that's one of the skills that will be developed. I mean, there's there's all the soft skills, right? Learning to navigate early adulthood, yeah. learning to navigate uh, collaborative working relationships, all those types of things. Um, but the fundamentally being able to learn something new that's translatable across all fields. That's hmm. not just if you study mechanical engineering. You know, you only learn about how to study mechanical engineering. You can learn about how to study mechanical engineering, civil engineering, electrical engineering. Mm-hmm. And those are the things when uh, the technology starts to outpace your formal education that you'll need to rely upon to get yourself up to speed. Right. In that sense. So, um, so, yeah, that was that was key for sure. Oftentimes we have students that talk to me and say like, oh, no, no, I don't want just an electrical engineering degree. I want electrical and I want mechanical and I want computer science because I'm not going to be limited by what I study. And I was like, dude, just get one, <laughs> pare it down a little bit. You'll be fine. And you're yeah. this level of learning, like you'll keep going. It's just, mm-hmm. this is this, this is what, this is your base. This is what you're starting with. You don't, you don't spend forever in college. Uh, 100%. I look at it as like, um, so the, the double E curriculum had has the wheel right mm, or yeah. 
um, yeah. where you start with your core. I don't know. It did then it started with your core classes and then you branch out into a general emphasis, which is like a quadrant. And then you, you start to really dive deeper into uh, your more focused areas when you hit your, you know, junior and senior years. Um, And really the, the first two and a half, three years are, are learning about engine engineering fundamentals, learning about, uh, how to learn, learning about things that will be trans that you can translate into whatever you do end mm-hmm. up doing. Cause most folks probably, or a lot of folks probably don't end up doing what they went to school to do. Exactly. Exactly. Um, right. Uh, it could be certainly very close, but you're always going to need to find new things. And then if you, if your goal is to work on cutting edge technology or bleeding edge technology or solving new problems, problems that have yet to be solved, you're always going to need to rely on your foundation to be able right. to, to find that solution. And we get a lot of complex problems that yeah. have never been solved before. That's what engineers uh, do, regardless of industry. Right, exactly. And I'm, as- I'm a fundamentalist when it comes to engineering. I truly believe that technology or engineering will at least input, if not completely solve, a lot of the problems that we as society or we at, at the global level are going to mm-hmm. tackle over the next however many years. I think what, what, what we have this interesting paradox in that professional engineers such as yourself can, can, can talk prophetically about this idea of flexibility and learn as you go and stay out of silos and work collaboratively. Unfortunately, the younger version of yourselves didn't think that way. The, right. Like, and, and our current, like every, every high school student I talk to is like, Oh no, 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 no. I'm going to plan out my life right now because that's what I do. I am the efficiency expert and right. I get everything done faster and everything done better. And I, I know every answer before it's even asked. And so sure. this is the, I, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm plotting out my life according to the way it's going. And then I talked to I talked to him in the nicest way. I'm like, you got no idea what's going on, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But the first key is to recognize that as well. Um, yeah. I, I would say uh, some of my best decisions that I made in college, either about the path I was going to take really yeah. had to remove the ego portion of sure. it and recognize that, Oh, I don't, I really don't know what's what I'm doing. Maybe sure. I shouldn't, shouldn't take that complete unknown step. Um, and that, and that was picking, picking emphases in, in my degree, something as big as that. It was, it was applying to Apple, frankly, at that yeah. point in time. It's like, hey, this isn't clicking. I clearly don't have it all figured out. Let's yeah. start expanding the search. And places. what sounds like a, a lack of culture, which meant that the people that were around you and kind of your mission and what you were doing and whether you valued your time was a big part of it. It didn't matter whether it was like a cool job. It's like, did, did, is, is, is this clicking for me? Right. Company culture. Yeah. Company culture, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that we talked a little bit or mentioned early on about reading the Steve Jobs biography. Yeah, that's uh, right. We need to come Walter back to it. Yeah. Um, so I remember I was on a cruise with my grandfather um, in Latin America, and we were visiting Brazil and Argentina and Uruguay. And I was reading the, uh, the biography and just kind of Steve Jobs' philosophy on product development and and life and and all that, but primarily on how he ran Apple. Um, And three months later, I had the interview um, and I was able to draw on, hey, if that's his philosophy, that and Apple prides itself on its company culture, those qualities and characteristics must be innately part of uh, innately part of what the company focuses on. Right. Um, and I truly feel like being able to talk to that in some sort of informed way, A, helped me with getting to that point, but also helped me throughout that interview process. Um, so I, that was something that, I don't know, co- happy coincidence, I guess. It's really funny. You, I, I'm glad you brought up that book because I, I forgot that I have a story about that. I, I, first of all, didn't know we'd be talking about books during this okay. whole conversation. <laughs> the, the most unexpected part of the podcast interview with Robbie Wright is we end up speaking about books the entire time. Yeah. I, I, I thought we'd Sorry. be all over. No, I'm loving this, man. This is like new grown up Robbie. Like usually, I don't know what we'd be talking about, but it wouldn't be books. Um, mm. 
we anyway. didn't talk about those things too. If you sure. Can. No, I'm down. No, <laughs> but I remember, um, and oddly you're just, it's, I think we have a lot of similar interests. And so you're hitting books that I've actually read. Um, and usually somebody talks about books. I'm like, I, sorry, I don't read a lot. It's only like you're hitting every book I've ever read. So, um, I read the Steve jobs book when I was, um, what was called the, the, the faculty in residence on the overseas program. Okay. And, and so, you, you know, the overseas program. And, and so I, I would go. And I read that book in Florence, Italy. Okay. And weird side conversation about when I do those programs, I was like, oh, it must be so great. You get to go. I'm like, yeah, I get to be alone for multiple weeks at a time in a foreign country where I don't know anybody. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's a psychological like prison. It's like one of the weirdest things ever because you spend all day not talking to people and then you go back to an apartment where you don't talk to people. <laughs> so you're just yeah. like reading and you're, anyway, you have lots of thoughts. Um, but I remember I would read at night and I would, uh, I was reading, uh, the, the Steve Jobs book and he's talking about it being in Florence. Cause part of that book, mm. he, he would take these retreats to Florence mm -hmm. where like he, he would do his design work there. He would just want to think. And he would talk about walking in the rain, uh, through the, the cobblestone streets of Florence. And he was, he was working methodically on trying to come up with the design of the retail store. Okay. And, yeah. and he couldn't figure out what his aesthetic was or what was all. And he kept looking down at these stones and the way that the water would hit that particular stone from that particular quarry. He's like, that's it. That's what we need. And I want that stone in all the retail stores. And we've come to find out that all the Florence streets are from one quarry in Italy, oh, yeah. one particular yep. stone. <laughs> and so I'm sure this is not the case anymore, but when, when Apple retail started, all stone, all those tile stones were coming from that course. It was the same rock you're walking on in Florence, Italy. And I was like, oh my God, this is the coolest fun fact I've ever had. And I have yeah. a relationship to it, which is kind of cool. That's awesome. I mean, Florence, Florence is an easy place to get um, inspired by. I mean, Absolutely. Place of the Renaissance. Um, Absolutely. But uh, yeah, I, I do think that's another thing too. Like if you have the opportunity to do things like the overseas program and immerse yourself in other cultures and other perspectives, mm -hmm. um, I think that's, that's also key to success because we want to make products at, at Apple, we want to make products, but we want to make solutions that are ubiquitous mm -hmm. uh, and individual at the same time. And the only way to do that is to find that solution space that matches for everybody of every mm -hmm. demographic. And so um, yeah, that's a cool story. There's a lot of, there's a lot of sayings and quotes and, and all that kind sure. of stuff um, sure. that we certainly draw upon, but yeah, yeah. Uh, understanding what is built up about those company cultures. And it's nice that a lot of founders or CEOs write a lot of books. <laughs> and so it's, it's kind of easy, but I, I do recommend like, if, if you want to go to Netflix, like read, read Hastings book. If you want to go to Nike, no, read yeah. Nike's book, those types of things. And they'll, they do get you a clue in into uh, the type of environment you'll be working in on a day-to-day yeah. -day basis. Yeah. The DNA of that company, for lack of a better right. term, kind of that, right, that exactly. uh, stem cell. Um, so w while you're at Apple um, mm -hmm. in, in, in managing people, um, it, are, are there similar traits to people that are successful? Are there similar traits to people that aren't successful when people that you've managed or that you've seen? Yeah, I mean, certainly as a, as a program manager, um, I started in the management path by recruiting. Um, mm. It was a need that, that my manager at the time had. Um, yeah. and, and it was an opportunity for me to start something that I felt was in line with that responsibility, uh, with, with the responsibility of being a manager. Um, and the first time I was asked by a candidate, what makes a successful like, engineering program manager at Apple, I, I'll be honest, I did not have a good answer for, because I, I knew what made me successful. Sure. I knew what the things I focused on on a day-to-day -day basis, the interactions I had, how to influence different individuals. Uh, but to be able to articulate that to someone who's completely separate from what I am currently immersed in, um, I certainly was uh, needed a better answer than, than the one I was providing. Um, I do think first and foremost, if you're gonna be in a technical field, having a foundation of technical aptitude is key, but really having a technical curiosity in wanting to learn more about the things that you are working next to or working with. I mean, if you're a mechanical engineer or electrical engineer, you'll certainly be working on those things and having a strong tech technical aptitude with that. 
is key. But if you want to deliver something to the end, it, it's not just design, it's manufacturing and it's assembly and it's test and validation. It's the engineering or scientific method of, of problem solving um, and continuing to be curious and wanting to learn more about each phase of that, I think is, is something that I impress upon any candidate that wants to go into it into a technical field, regardless of what the actual role is. Um, and so that's to me, first and foremost, I think demonstrating ownership of problems is super key as well. Um, you know, you're, you'll be working most likely with teams, some of them very large teams. Um, and so you wanna be able to work well. Uh, and by doing that, you wanna be able to own solutions or own problems until you're able to provide solutions for them um, and not just constantly hand off things. And so ownership for me, is a vitally important characteristic that makes for successful employees at yeah. Apple, but, but Everywhere. generally speaking, yeah. Um, the ability to build trust quickly, I think is key, for sure. Uh, I think that comes with, with being technically curious and trying to understand how folks, uh, what challenges folks are working on, on a regular basis, both from a, either a design standpoint or even just a prioritization and, and, uh, like soft skill standpoint um, and owning those challenges along with them is, is part of it. And then being candid and transparent about where you sit in context to, again, the program environment, the organizational environment, what, what are some of the priorities and deliverables you're working on and how can you align those with, with them? Um, and so I think that's, that's key. And then decisiveness. Uh, I think that's something mm. that gets lost in larger companies. Yeah. Um, and as organizations scale, a lot of the decision-making gets pushed up, but if you truly want to be successful and get to that level, um, I think the ability to make decisions, certainly right decisions, but make decisions, uh, quickly and effectively, uh, that in and of itself is a, is a strong skill set to, to be learned. Um, and there's lots of recommendations on how to do that, but indecision to me is the worst decision yeah. i'd rather we make a bad decision learn from it and move on and find this right solution than just get kind of stuck in that analysis paralysis so i i push decisiveness right. and the ability to communicate and organize all that all those soft skills certainly certainly contribute to being successful Hey everyone, this is Paul. Sorry for the interruption, but I wanted to let you know about a new feature we just unlocked. It's about sending us questions or comments via text. If you go to your podcast player, check the show notes. There's a link there that says, send us a question or comment. It may be on our next episode. So go in there, send us a little quick text message. Let us know what your questions are. Let us know what your comments are. We'd love to hear from you. So we can't wait to see it. Now back to the episode. Robbie, that's probably the most profound thing we've ever had said on the <laughs> podcast. And I'm including, and I'm serious, I'm not joking around. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm including all of our faculty conversations because um, it was, it was concise. It was to the point. Um, and I think that that's just not being successful at Apple or on your teams. That's being successful as a human being. Um, and I've never, I've never heard it put so uh, purely and in and, and a nice condensed and easy to digest. So, so if you're listening, high school students, rewind, go back and listen to that again. And, and I'll, I'll whittle it down right now for you really briefly, but care about what you do. Work together well with others, focus yeah. on quality. Like it's going to matter. It's going to, mm -hmm. it's going to matter. And you, you, and you have to be a part of that decision process. You don't get to walk away with your hands up. Uh, I mean, this is, this is a big deal. Caring is one of the biggest issues. Um, sure. And uh, a lot of people don't get that, especially in their first job. They're like, oh, I clocked in, I clocked out. Why are they not promoting me? Right. You know? Right. Uh, and I certainly suffered from that as well. Um, I did not put my all into what I was working on at Northrop or at, at Ducommon, which is the company I worked on after mm -hmm. Northrop. And that that's reflected. That's not a secret. People see that. Um, yeah. And, and the willingness to, to do the work or the willingness to put in the time or the extra time or, or the right time, <laughs> I the guess. Right time. That's, that's, the that, right that's time. That's the key. <laughs> right. Um, I think is, is 
that is going to make up for any deficiencies you may have as you're learning a new skill set. Um, yeah. And and that's the and that's the key, right? You can always learn a new skill set. That just may take some time. So the rest of it is going to carry you along the way. I don't think anyone at any level expects any professional to be fully baked. Like, right. like, like this is an ongoing thing. It's just, where are you in the process and where are you, what do you bring that we don't know? And what are we, what are we going to bring to you that you don't know? And uh, that's in the middle, we're going to create new stuff. Um, and that's, yeah, that's true of any industry. I mean, I know that we like, we've like, since last we talked, I mean, like I've hired, I think three staff and, okay. and, and so it's like, this new, like I've had, I had the same people working with me for 10 years. And then all of a sudden we had this shift and we hired all these new people. And so I've been this the last couple of years of like bringing in new people, figuring out how to make it work while we're still doing the same stuff. And the, the biggest deal is like, look, I don't expect you to have it figured out. Um, I just expect you to try and expect right. you to care about something. And, and, and it's worked out great. I mean, we have a fantastic staff and, and they do great, great things. And all the stuff that we're talking about is all like behind the scenes stuff, but it's like, yeah, it's working great. And whenever, whenever they get nervous about something, it's like, I don't expect you to have this figured out by yourself. We're going to, we're going to do it together. We're here. We'll do it. It's good stuff. I don't mean to take over your podcast, but take I, I do have a question. <laughs> do you, was this what you saw do saw yourself doing <laughs> absolutely man i was 14 years old and i said you yeah. know what i'm gonna do a podcast and the way i can get there is by doing admission uh, <laughs> um i do not, mean admissions or, or you know. being director of admissions and, and doing all that kind of stuff i totally i totally understand um no man no and and i think that um i don't think people uh most of what i tell people is really just me talking back to myself and mm. the same day, similar to what you were just doing a little bit ago. Like, I feel like you're talking to yourself uh, on, mm -hmm. on like how to adjust. Um, I had no idea coming out of high school. Um, I, I could be, uh, I, I, I could be omniscient and looking backwards and say like, Oh, if only I had done X, that would have changed my whole trajectory. And I, and I, sure. I still hold true to the fact that like, if someone just told me to focus on math in high school, I would be an industrial and systems engineer. Like, I feel a lot like that. Like every time okay. I talk to an ISC major and what they do professionally, I'm like, I could do that. Yeah. I, to I totally <laughs> do that. Um, and, and in a way it's kind of what I do, but with non-technical stuff, right? Like okay. there's all these little systems working together and figuring out, you know, efficiencies and making sense. Um, but when I came out of high school, it was about um, not knowing what to do and not knowing what I like to do. And someone saying, well, you got to make money. Okay. Well study business. You know, that's like, mm -hmm. I think it's like, I think business is always the like drop into neutral. Like what are you going to yeah. do in college? I don't know. I'm going to study business. Sure. Uh, <laughs> sure. You go back, you can go back to, if we go back to film. We can, we can talk about, uh, uh, Oh my God. What's the name of the movie? Miss, Mrs. Robinson. What's that movie? Um, come on. Oh, come uh, on. The film. graduate, the graduate, right. The graduate, yeah. like, you know, plastics. Right. Right. And so, uh, I thought I was going to go into business and I was quickly, uh, informed that that was not the right way to go once I took economics. Okay. Um, and I navigated to the left and thought teaching would be cool. And uh, okay. my my girlfriend at the time was going into education, and I said, "I like kids. I, I'm I'm down for that. Let's do that." And I take an education class, and I love it. Um, my my mom tells me, "You're not going to make money as a teacher. Don't do that." Okay. <laughs> Which is a really cold way of saying don't do it. It's really yeah. bad. Um, and so I'm like, Oh, okay. I guess I can't do that. Um, and I then kind of pivoted again and uh, I was attracted to like a, a, the, the, a walk through someone talked through the class about occupational therapy. Okay. And yeah. I was involved in student organizations at the time where a number of the things that I was doing uh, related to the student organization, I seem to see a lot of people that were studying psychology or occupational therapy. And I was like, mm, okay, so I'm, I'm getting a lot of influence. I start taking occupational therapy classes. I think this is it for me. And I love it. And I still do I, the idea of occupational therapy, the theory of it, what people do. I think it makes a lot of sense to me. It, it, it clicked. And in my sophomore year, I'm taking uh, occupational therapy prerequisites, which are essentially half psychology, half biology classes. Okay. Well, Turns out I am no good at science, uh, <laughs> as reflected by my grades in both biology and anatomy. Uh, and I still have 
vivid memories of my anatomy class and the lab practical. Uh, have you ever taken an anatomy class in college? I, there's no reason you ever would have no, to. No, I didn't. I, no, chemistry. No, no anatomy. Chemistry so, and physics. That's anatomy it. lab practical is the bell goes off and you rotate through stations and I'm minimizing this, but basically there's dead animals in front of you. There's a pin yeah. in one of the muscles. What is it? Okay. And it's not just, it's not just like, Oh, bicep lat. Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. It's three layers in and it's that <laughs> <Okay>. one. What's that <laughs> one? It. Okay. And it's a cat you're looking at. I'm like, Oh man, I don't know. What's this bone. What's that? I'm like, Oh, for crying out loud. So that did not match me. And I'm taking psychology classes. And it turns out those are connected with me without me really knowing it, developmental psych, abnormal psychology, et cetera. So basically by default, I become a psychology major. Uh, and I don't, still to this day, wasn't probably the right fit for me because after those first couple of classes, it got very sciencey. Uh, <laughs> I probably should have, should, should have studied uh, social, sociology because I was really into okay. the social psych stuff. And uh, at the same time, I discover uh, coursework in public management uh, oh, okay. and public management is through the public policy school. And okay. what's interesting enough about this is that public management are essentially business classes for nonprofits. Okay. <laughs> and so I've done a complete kind of around the world trip back to the same types of philosophies that I probably should have gone into. And I'm taking Fine. organizational behavior. I'm taking kind of these larger business marketing classes, but the cool part is that for me, because it lined up with me is that I, I wasn't like the typical business profit is everything thing. And so what's cool is that all your case studies are like uh, metropolitan agencies, this, this hmm. metro uh, or this healthcare agency or this university. And so I'm taking courses on managing inside of an infrastructure that is nonprofit uh, or city or government organized. And uh, I also start working in the office of orientation at that time as an orientation okay. advisor. And at the end of the day, if I ask my, myself the same question that I asked you, which is what, what defines your college experience, it was basically becoming an orientation advisor um, because it's where all these things started connecting. There was education and there was, you know, working with students a little bit and there was uh, higher ed administration, what I would call now looking back on it and organizing large events and creating some sort of message to these people as they come through and, you know, down to the minutia of like, how do you, how do you create a flow of traffic from that parking structure to this event? And how do we get them inside to what are we going to say in this event? Like, what, what, what's our purpose? What do we want them to walk away with? What's our yeah. uh, conversation I had earlier today with some of my staff, what is your vision for this event? What do you want yeah. them to walk away with? And um, what do you want them to feel like when they walk away? And so we would structure that stuff. And I just kind of innately soaked it up. You cut to uh, post-graduation. I have a job that lasted me through August in orientation because okay. I worked the orientation summer after I graduated. Makes and um, that was my excuse to not look for jobs. I don't okay. have to look for a job. I got a job through August, man. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah, cut to August and uh, I ain't got no job. I don't know what to do. And uh, lo and behold, people that I'm working with uh, say, hey, you should uh, you should call engineering. Uh, you should call Louise. Hey, you should you should email Louise. I think she's got a job uh, that she's been trying to fill. It's an right. admission. And uh, you you probably be good at that. Check that yeah. out. And so I uh, the, the story is I, I applied on a Tuesday. I interviewed on a Thursday. And, um, I started the next Tuesday, which was after Labor Day in the year 2000. So that's 21 okay. years ago. Um, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and that was working with Matthew O'Prey and Louise Yates yeah. starting at that time period. Louise okay. has since retired. Um, and so Matthew's still there. Yeah. Okay. Um, Matthew's still there. Uh, and here I am. And at, at that time it was like a, it was a, like a entry level, like here, stuff, these envelopes, do this data entry, you know, Sure. It, was a horrible, it was a horrible job. <laughs> a horrible, horrible did, you job. did you remind Louise and Matt of that? When, <laughs> I, I've told everybody that I hated my job <laughs> that first year. I hated it because right. it was just the way that it was kind of structured and that it was so entry level. It was like, whatever, it's fine. It's, it's what it needed to be. Um, but what was cool is that similar to you is that like you, you, you kind of immerse yourself into the culture and whether that fits mm. with you or not. And the culture at that time and for quite some time thereafter was, uh, what, what are we doing? What's a cool idea? 
And me, you know me, I'm like, I think that's dumb. I, I think mm. we can do these 10 other things that are like so much cooler. And they were patient with me. Now I had a lot of learning curves, uh, sure. Viki, Viki being one of them, uh, I think before you got involved, but Viki was a tremendous failure the first year out because it was, that was, that was my management experience where I, I didn't know. I thought we just did stuff and I never communicated very well. Uh, and I got told to shut it down. So the first year it got shut okay. down. Okay. Second year it came back. It was great. And that's it, been the standard ever since. Um, and then what we did with the VSAs, I mean, like my first couple months in, I was handed a thing that said, here's this thing called the student ambassadors. People have put in applications. Why don't you take that over? Cause it's like orientation. And so all I did is I modeled everything I learned at orientation. I started building the ambassadors up and it's changed okay. a lot since then, but it kind of became the staff in this group. And then it kind of became this culture and it kind of can be this own industry of you guys creating stuff and like, what do, what do we, what can we do? What can we make? What can we do? That's really fun, kind of fun. And webisodes was a, uh, uh, an evolution in that process. Now it's all Viterbi voices, which is a website and they're doing yeah. their videos. And this podcast is part of that. And we have students that manage and run this podcast. Unfortunately, Emily's not here today, but she's, she's the, the, the most recent version of that evolution of students. And, and to me, it's just like, I like doing cool stuff and yeah. I like challenging myself and solving problems we've, we've never solved before, although not technical per se. It's like, well, how do we kind of evolve and, and get interesting with some of this stuff? And so it's, it's the same essential problem, which is recruiting and bringing in students. There are differences each year with populations. And this year, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that's different, but, and COVID was a challenge, but right. Um, no, I never thought that's a really long answer to your question. No, I've never great. thought that's what I wanted to do. Um, yeah. I don't think people ever go to school to become admission people. Uh, we all kind of backstep into it somehow. <laughs> um, but I, I love it. And I love it mostly because I'm at the engineering school with people like you, right? We get this, this cool trajectory of people that go do amazing things. And I get to be there uh, and maybe participate sometimes, but I get to be there mostly to watch this, this transition of who you wanted to be, who you end up becoming. And it's all still great. It's just, it's, it's neat to see that growth. And I get the offshoot of like, I gain a little bit of technical knowledge here or there. Mm. Like, I'm like, oh, hey, I now know a little bit about that. And I know a little bit about that. And I, I, feel, I feel smarter by being around all of you. Well, that's great. I mean, clearly you have a passion for it, right? Because you mentioned, you mentioned certainly VSAs, which were originally what the ESAs, the Engineering yeah, ESAs, Ambassadors. Yeah. You mentioned VK doing Viterbi voices like I don't know if you had this visioned out or this was definitely part of the evolution process but it always seemed like what the engineering school was doing was always the first to do it um at least across the university and to be honest I I don't know if other universities have copied the model I don't see the same level of input from the students the same level of output from the type of media and, and how you connect to uh, prospective students and admitted students and kind of guiding folks all the way through the process. Cause it doesn't just, yeah. it doesn't start when students are here or at, at the school, it starts their junior year. It starts their sophomore year. It's like, yeah. and there's multiple processes through that, but that doesn't just happen. That comes from something yeah. within you to be able to do that. Um, which is, which is great, which is, I mean, so excellent. That's, you've been able to shape essentially a generation of stu of engineering students. Well, don't USC. give me too much credit. Um, well, but it's true, right? I mean, I, and, and is it's nice that, that Luis and Matt also provided you the flexibility yeah. and the form and the environment to do that because that could have really quickly it. not been the case. That's really it. I mean, like yeah. my ideas are idiotic to anybody else. Um, only, only recently have people said, Oh, what does Paul think? <laughs> Uh, you earned that. So. Yeah, yeah. It took twenty years. It took twenty years for like, oh, he's trying something crazy over there, and then now, like, we've had a few. We've had a few. Uh, I, I will, I will toot my own horn for a couple minutes in that over the last year in COVID. Um, I, I've made the joke with Matthew multiple times uh, online that, like, um, uh, oh my god, I'm, I'm forgetting the line now. Um, anyway, oh, that's what it was. Uh, the minute we went to COVID, um, mm -hmm. we're like, okay we have all this, like it was March of last year, 2020. We have all these, right. like, you, you know, like explore USC events booked right. out. We just wrapped up scholarship ones. We have to go to our regular ones. What are we going to do? Yeah. And in one afternoon, because of my great team, 
and because of their work, and hopefully I think they believe in what, what I say and what we do, um, we were able to pivot and we made an entire suite of online events. We made brand new publications, wow. brand new print pieces, uh, got things out in the mail. We packed up all of our books and everything that we have for on-campus events, shipped it out to someone that could do fulfillment. We figured out a mailing campaign for it. We switched everything virtual. And I, I went to Matt and I said, and you'll, you'll know this line, but from, uh, from Taken, I said, I said, I have a particular set of skills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That you've developed over a long career. <laughs> yeah. It's like really weird. It's like all these things where I'm like, I know how to do all this stuff. Let's right. do this. And so we right. pivoted and it was, I, I've told many people this many times but privately um, that this last year of my life professionally has been the best um, because I got to just like not have to deal with anything, but my particular job yeah. doing cool things and having the bandwidth to do it. Uh, and so, and we've also done some reorganizing, uh, which is really cool for me. And so it's been awesome and cool. So I appreciate your, your kind words. And then, and honestly, what it really comes down to is that none of the things that exist, you could say, okay, it's because of the vision, but it's really because of you, uh, your predecessors and your successors, uh, that we had, we had a bunch of people that you all said, okay, cool. And you said like, I'll do that. Like, I remember sitting with you in RTH 114 and it was Julie Samir, I think at the time. And I was like, Rob, mm -hmm. I got an idea for you videos and yeah. here's what you can do. And I, you got, you got pretty free range on this. I don't give you total free range. Cause it was 20 year old you. So I didn't like, I knew what you were yeah, capable fair. of. I was like, I'm like, I still <laughs> get, I, I remember telling you, I get final cut. I remember telling yeah. you that you can do what you want, but I don't, you don't put it out till I say it's okay. And I probably said fine and rolled my eyes. You, you said, did. Right. You totally did. You're like, that's not my creative self, man. Um, <laughs> like, sure. That's what you're saying internally. But it was like people like you that were like, okay, I'm in. And like, you guys put in the blood, sweat and tears. And we've got a whole string of you guys that did that. All of which I'm trying to bring back onto the podcast. One, because I like reliving these memories, but two, because it's to give you guys the credit that like, it's not me influencing. It's you guys building. And the solutions that you guys built and the stuff that you guys did, I get to brag about. And yeah. it, it creates what I tell our current VSAs, and I'm hoping that they're listening, uh, this continuum of like, they are part of just the most recent crest on this really long wave. And you guys just keep building and keep building, and keep building, and keep pushing. And what I also tell them is that like, you're doing it for me and I get that and I'm benefiting from this, but what I'm hoping and what I usually hear from, from you is that like, yeah, you, you end up learning these skill sets mm -hmm. that end up becoming what you do now. Um, it's yeah. not that you make Viki or that you make videos, but like everything you said about quality and stuff like that, I'd like to, I'd like to think that that kernel of that was stuff that we talked about. No, it's so huge. I remember, so I remember when I was an admitted student and we were going through orientation with the engineering school and I remember mm -hmm. seeing the VSAs and uh, a couple of them and I don't remember all of them, but one of them ended up being my lab partner like that spring semester of my freshman year. That was Jason Giggles. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, real name. Real name. Uh, <laughs> His name is Jason Giggles. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, and I remember being, I remember having the feeling of, I want to do that. Uh, because of him. And mm. then I walked into a lab for, I think, EE 102 or something, and he was sitting there. Um, and he and I had multiple conversations, not just about the coursework that we were working on and whatnot, because he ended up being my partner for that class, but just about what it was like to be a VSA. Um, and for me, you know, it was two things that really drew me to it. One was I got to be in front of people, which I enjoy doing like the public. Yes, yeah. a little bit. <laughs> uh, I like to publicly speak and do and do all that. But I also it was an opportunity for me to do that, but also give back to kind of the next generation mm. of students. Because if I had these different concerns and anxiety uh, as being as going into college, if I gave what like Jason had given me and just assuaging that just a little bit, to me, that was worth it. Um, that was something that 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 opportunity was able to provide. Um, and it really did, it really kind of set me up as far as navigating uh, my place within the engineering school. Cause I came, like I said, I had a very structured childhood, spent my entire childhood in the same area. I was, you know, I knew everybody, people yeah. knew me. Um, I had a very structured life, uh, sports and boy scouts and, and all that kind of stuff and coming mm -hmm. to college 
again, as you're navigating not just classes and, and coursework and, and new, a new environment, but navigating young adulthood and navigating independence and doing all that kind of stuff, um, having someone who had spent the last three years doing that, um, providing some of that wisdom to me was uh, incredibly beneficial. So I, I was very grateful for that. And then I was grateful for the opportunity to be able to do that for uh, as an as a VSA. Well, I am forever grateful for the work that you put in. And as a result of that, I'd like to read to you my interview notes when I interviewed you back in 2000. You have them? No, I'm oh kidding. My I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was so excited. <laughs> I don't know what you took them on. I always thought you, I had this memory of you writing them down on an iPad, but I was a candidate in 2003 and iPads didn't come around to 2010. So there's something yeah. in my memory bank that's not. I'll tell you exactly what it was because I remember <laughs> you making a big deal out of it in the interview. Yeah. And I remember thinking, I am cool um, <laughs> because I think you were one of the first ones we did. It was one of my like, I think this is a cool idea type thing. It was literally okay. one of the things where I'm like, I was like validated in my idea, but it was like the first tablet PC, like convertible tablet PCs. Like pocket PC or whatever they were. No, but it was like, it was a laptop convertible. So like you could, oh, funny. You, could you could, I think it might've been Toshiba if I remember correctly, but it was, it was a laptop and then you could flip it and turn it down. And so like, okay. I was probably holding on to something that was that thick. Like we're talking like <laughs> two inches. Yes. But it had a stylus. And so okay. I was sitting there like that. And I remember going, what is that? What is it? What is that? Are you doing that on? And I remember you making a big deal of it. And I'm like, it's working. Yeah. Because one of my <laughs> ideas was like, we have to have the coolest tech. Sure. To talk to these kids. Cause they're going to be like, well, that's where I want to go. Cause he did this thing with a tablet. And I, I kept, then when I pushed for iPads and all this other stuff, like we need to do interview. I, why would we do interviews on paper? That's not sustainable. Right. And it's super cool if I can make it better. Right. Of course, we're not doing interviews anymore, but it certainly resonated with me man, yeah. 18 years later. So. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. Um, I don't want to keep you. We, we have gone uh, very, very long, but I, I want to be very respectful of your time, but I do want to thank you. I, I want to end on, on two, three things, actually three things huh? put you on the spot. Uh, one, it, uh, four things. Damn it. I just remembered. I got time. Our, are you, I know you're not allowed to talk about what you work on at Apple and I'm fine with this answer being no. Are you able to talk about things you've worked on in the past, things that you've contributed to? Um, not really. Uh, no I've problem. Worked on, we I've worked on. on multiple platforms across phone, across Mac, across different accessories. Cool. Um, so I, I've done a few. That's done how few cool things. the stuff is you work on. You can't talk about it. That's, that's <laughs> what I'm walking away with. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the beginning. Uh, I, I, I put a note to myself to ask you. Um, we were talking about families and I was, and you said, for now, it's just me, the wife and two dogs. And you had an right. emphasis, you had an underscore on for now. Yeah. Well, we, you know, uh, <laughs> we my, can move on so, if you don't. Want to no, no, no. <laughs> I'm happy to answer. My wife, my wife is certainly in her doctorate uh, right now. She's yeah. done five semesters of nine semesters. She's Holy killing cow. it by the way. So I, I got to give her all the credit in the world to do that work full time. Um, but that is, and I just try to like help around the house. Like that's my support. I'm like, yeah. you got this. I'm yeah. going yeah. to do whatever I can to make your life a little bit easier. Um, you realize but, that anybody with kids puts pressure on people without kids to have kids. I and, know. So like the, the, and I, and I hated it at the time and now I'm doing it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we've, we've certainly, you know, talked about some family planning, uh, cool. when this wraps up and we're, we're a little bit away, but, uh, okay. Okay. not in the far future. <laughs> I'm excited for you to become a dad. I'm just, I am because you're going to be a great dad and I can tell you're going to super enjoy it. So like that's, I put it this way. I would not ask that question if, if I didn't know I'm like, Oh my God, he should not be a dad. I wouldn't ask that question. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. You have, so your daughter's six. My daughter's six. Yes. Yes. Good math. Any more? Do I have any more? No. <laughs> any more plan? Are we? Oh, any more plan? No. Thank you for putting the reverse pressure on me. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, we, I think pre pandemic, you might've had a different answer from us. <laughs> so sure. I'm here all the time. Uh, and uh, that's, yeah, no, we're, we're good with the one. And I think that's we're, okay. I'm an only child. So clearly, clearly it's fine. <laughs> You, you come up in my thoughts a lot lately when we say only child. <laughs> Clearly it's not a huge hindrance on your progression. So <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. She's, she's, yeah. I think she's good with just, the, we're good with just the one. And uh, okay. yeah. Um, the other thing is I know you're, you're semi-passionate, I would say, but you, you've got a, 
if I remember correctly from the Instagram, you've got your own like fitness regime. Like you're, you're, that's a, that's a thing for you. Yeah. Uh, very much involved with it. So I'll be honest when I got married, we got married a, a little over three and a half. Well, oh, almost four years now, four years wow. in October, we'll be married. Congrats. Um, thank you. Yes. Uh, it's been, it's been wonderful. And honestly, like meeting my wife, I could probably talk the next hour and a half about it, but completely <laughs> changed my perspective on everything. And, and, and that's great. Uh, that's what they're supposed she, to do. Yeah. She's, she's my number one champion and I'm, I'm her number one champion. And that's, I, like I said, I, I could go on and on about it, but um, when we got married, you know, we went on a honeymoon, we came back, it was Thanksgiving and then it was new year's mm. or, and the holidays and all that. That first year I gained 15 pounds after getting married. And I'm, I feel bad for my wife. Cause I'm sure she's like, I did not sign up for this. I was like, but we're happy. So <laughs> look, you're lo- we're locked down. This is it. You got it. Yeah. Paper signed. We, we hit the finish line. Um, yeah. And so, no, it, you know, it's, it's something when we moved into the house, I wanted something, a space. Uh, yeah. And so we set up a, a pretty robust gym area yeah. in the garage. And uh, I try not to post too much on Instagram about it, but yeah, it's something that you got your own little um, iron paradise there. I do. I, yeah, it's nothing like the rocks, but you know, I also nowhere near the size of the rock either. So <laughs> no one would uh, ever make, <laughs> <laughs> no one would ever confuse us. You're exactly right. Uh, no, it, yeah, it's something I'm, I'm, I'm still really big on. I think part of the pandemic, uh, gratitude has been a big theme of this mm. last year and a half, but another part has also been just kind of personal growth and yeah. not, not limiting myself mentally or emotionally or, or, or physically. And I do think uh, I have found exercise has been part of a, of a good routine, if mm-hmm. not daily routine, try to mm-hmm. get in as much as possible. And so adding things, I'm also little older now, 35. So things don't work quite as well as they did back at USC. You, you cannot complain to me, man. <laughs> um, so, you know, I try to, try to meditate a little bit, try to, uh, try to stretch a little bit, try to get some, some exercise in there. Uh, in addition to try to, to grow myself a little bit more like mentally grow myself a little bit more spiritually, all that I think has been a big focus. It's also been helpful that my wife is been you know so consumed with her with her doctorate because she's doing that mm. a little bit more formally and it gives me the opportunity mm. when she's studying and and writing and, and and taking classes to do that kind of on my on my own side so i think all that's yeah. all, all that's part of a, a larger kind of growth effort i wish i had a little bit more of the discipline uh <laughs> but uh we'll uh you know continue growing and we'll hopefully keep- Keep it up, man. It'll be set a good example. <laughs> Keep it up, man. Keep it up. That's great. Thank you. The last thing for you is uh, I try to do this with our alumni uh, when I remember, but I've got lightning round questions for you to wrap up okay. this whole thing. Are you ready for these? I'm ready. Okay. So here we go. Lightning round. Texting or talking? Uh, talking. Favorite day of the week? Thursdays. Thursdays. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Let's explore that. Uh, favorite city in the U.S. besides the one you live in? Besides the one I live in, uh, probably Los Angeles, uh, and then Chicago. I'm with you on that. Uh, nickname your parents used to call you. Uh, <laughs> so my dad had a ton of nicknames for me. I was Tiger because uh, of my red hair. Um, yeah. I was Monster for a while. Uh, yeah, those those are probably the. Oh, my uncle called me Big Red. Big Red Gum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So okay. I've had, I've had a number of nicknames growing up. Uh, last song you specifically went to play, like you're like, I got to play this one song. Oh man. It's just going to completely reveal, uh, everything about me. Um, so (laughs) hustle and motivate by Nipsey hustle. Okay. That that was the last song. I picked that this morning, kind of to mentally prepare for this number one. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I think Nipsey Hussle, when he passed in March of 2019, that actually kind of, I mean, I, st- I basically listened to him for about nine months, after, like wow. the rest of the year. Wow. Um, it was, it was kind of interesting because I felt what he was trying to do through his music I resonated with me a lot in what I'm trying to do is like, as part of my career, not make music and not make rap music, but um, just the messaging and, and the the side 
side hustling and the businesses and and giving back to the community from which he came from all that I thought was uh it was a shame that that was taken away from mm. from him from those around him um plus he was 33 when he passed and I was turning 33 like oh, six geez, weeks yeah. later or yeah. eight weeks later so yeah. for whatever reason uh it resonated quite a bit with me so yeah. I listened to that uh this morning <laughs> sought that song out this morning for this. All right. Uh, would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to talk to animals? Speak every language in the world. All right. Favorite holiday? Uh, probably Christmas is my yeah. favorite holiday. Yeah. How, how long does it take you to get ready? Oh, well, if I do the full routine that I'm supposed that I tell myself I'm supposed to be doing, it's about 55 minutes. I knew that you would have an answer <laughs> like that. Uh, You're like, but, this doesn't just happen. This doesn't just happen. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> but uh, if I woken up late again, um, I could, I can get it down to about 20 minutes, the whole thing. <laughs> I have so many I, comments. I I'm, I'm holding back. I'm holding back. So many comments. I won't, uh, I won't mention how many times the ladder happens over the floor. <laughs> okay. Um, where did I, live? I lost my track. Okay. Scale of one to 10. How good of a driver are you? Oh, I'm a, like a six. Really? Okay. <laughs> yes. I, I am not a great driver. My wife taught me how to parallel park. I'm, I'm lumping that all that in there. Yeah. Like effectively. Just the fact that your wife had to teach you how to parallel park she means did. you're not a good yeah. driver. It didn't, uh, didn't no, take you <laughs> that long. To figure out how to parallel park. Yeah. Uh, I've known my wife for six years. So five years ago, I learned how to parallel park just about every time. And even then, it's not every time. Like, it's a lot of, like, backing in and going back out. Oh, you're um, killing me. <laughs> so it's six. Me. Okay. Fill in the yeah. blank. Taylor Swift is? Uh, my wife's favorite artist. Uh, Taylor Swift. <laughs> no, I think. I, I'm not a huge fan of Taylor Swift's music, but I appreciate I appreciate the messaging she has uh, yeah. for being a woman in this in, in that industry for sure. Um, and so I, I think she's incredibly inspirational and and uh, yeah, someone to look up to. I think she's awesome. She's got the box, man. She's got it going. All right. What age do you want to retire? 60. 60. Okay. Yeah. Invisibility or super strength? Oh, super strength. And last question. Is it wrong for a vegetarian to eat animal crackers? <laughs> no, because animal crackers are the best. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love animal. I love shortbread. So uh, go for it. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. So uh, my, my daughter is starting uh, Girl Scouts. She's a Daisy this year. She's going to have cookie sales. I will send you the link. Uh, so that you can buy okay. all the shortbread because uh, I, now I'm going to be, um, hustling to, to get Girl Scout cookie sales they sold do, at some point. They do still sell like Samoas, right? Oh yeah. Dude, you, you're not limited to one. Yeah. Buy, them all, buy, man. We'll, we'll buy them all, man. Buy them all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, buddy. I really appreciate it. It was great to see you and great to connect with you. Um, but I am, we went really long and I'm, I'm, I was, and I was into it the whole time. So we'll, we'll kind of cut this up into two episodes so people don't uh, get into two hours. Well, I appreciate that. Like I said, as I said in the beginning, I really do appreciate the opportunity. I, I've always been impressed and enthusiastic about what you, what you bring to just the engineering school and the recruiting process. And I'm, I'm always grateful that you think of me as part of it. And I'm always happy to, uh, always to support. Always. Thank you so much. And don't what you're, you're, you're don't, don't hold that up on screen. No, you're, you're not supposed to show me these <laughs> Apple products that you're not making. That's not, that's I see. not right. you're giving a lot of trouble. Here. <laughs> I'm kidding. You know, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Whoever's listening from Apple. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, uh, anyways, we do enough Apple promotion here. They should send me something. Uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> All right. Appreciate it. Hey, Robbie, good to see you, buddy. Thanks so much. And we're back. Thank you so much, Paul. I was just running. You always ask people about the animal crackers question. Do you have an <laughs> opinion on this? Uh, yeah, I, 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 no, of course, vegetarians can eat animal crackers. I, I don't, I don't. 
think it's a big deal. I think it's it's a funny question because they're like so tuned in at that point when it's question 10 that they just kind of get blown away. Like that's just the funniest question ever. Like they, they don't expect it because they're like mm. really trying to listen to the question to have a fast answer. So it's much more fun to watch their faces as to like what yeah. happens with it. Like I, it's, a, it's a silly question. No, I, I, yeah, I love that part. I debated on whether I should continue to ask the same lightning round questions or whether I should move to a new set. What do you think for continuing conversations? Should I keep going the same lightning round or mix it up with different ones each each interview? I feel like there should be a few standard ones that are always included, like the Got animal it. crackers one, but then you can shuffle around the other ones. Got it. Okay, cool. We'll definitely do that. Yeah. Um, so uh, now it's been a couple of days, Emily, have you given further, it's still a little too early, but have you given any further thought to Halloween or are, are we still 50, 50 on whether you'll dress up? Oh, I'll definitely dress up. That's okay. not the question. It's just okay. like whether my outfit is like coherent and people can tell what I am. Okay, good. Okay. Yeah. Well, we will, we will maintain that. Uh, if you were with us last week, my first clue to my Halloween costume is that I will be wearing a hat or the, the, <sighs> person or entity or thing that I am wears a hat. Um, I don't know what to give for a second clue. I, I probably got myself in a lot of trouble to give a clue every single episode. So this is going to be rough. How um, about like who in your family came up with this idea? Um, probably my wife. It all okay. revolves around getting McKay to be excited about what she's wearing. And at the same time, something that we can collectively all do together. Let me give you some example. Well, in the past, when she was younger, she had no choice. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> it was, it was, it was super easy. Like, I think my favorite uh, costume that we did was one of her first Halloweens, maybe her second Halloween uh, was um, she was my, my wife, like got like a sweater, like a hooded sweater and like made it into a shark costume. So it was like a, it was like a hoodie, but it had like teeth mm -hmm. on it. And um, my wife was wearing a lifeguard outfit. And then I was like a swimmer and I was like bandaged up with blood. Like I was under, I was a shark oh attack God. victim. Like my shirt was all ripped up. And so like we have video of her like chasing me and I'm running away like at the beach, um, which Aww. is always like we, we went down to the beach to, on Halloween to like film this little thing where she's like running out of the water um, and I'm running away all bandaged up. And she's just a little two year old shark. Um, and that, that's, that's one of my favorites. Um, we've been, um, she has been Dr. Seuss, um, mm -hmm. and we, my wife and I were thing one and thing two. I'm not, not Dr. Seuss. She was the cat in the hat. Excuse me. She was the cat in the okay. hat and we were thing one and thing two. Uh, she has been a, last year she was a pink ballerina kitty. Uh, mm. the year before that she was, my wife and her were butterflies and I was a butterfly catcher. Oh, nice. Um, if you haven't noticed, the theme tends to be cats. When my when when my daughter is involved, she wants to involve cats as much as possible. Oh. So that is the second clue for this week. Uh, it involves a cat of some regard. The family cost the fam the the whole thing together. It involves a cat. Okay. Okay. So that's that is the the second clue. Um, it involves a cat. Look at that. We're making the guy. We're going to, I'm going to have to write this all down. Yeah. <laughs> lose track of this. You have quite a few more to do. I know we've got too many episodes. <laughs> um, so anyways, that's going to be fun. I think I can, I can pace it out with a few, a few different items. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, anyway, anything else we need to talk about today? It's the middle of the week. No, I think we're good. All right. Emily, thank you so much uh, for all of you out there listening. Thank you for sticking through to the end. We will see you next time with a whole new episode of The Turbine Voices.